0: You're listening to a message from The Church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. in a series about being a disciple of Jesus and what that means, uh, making disciples who serve. That's part of our vision statement. S- a Servant is the main description Jesus used, when he used most often for a follower of his, and so we're talking about what it means to be a disciple, and, and today is pretty straightforward about really following Jesus not just believing in Jesus, but following Jesus, okay? And so I'm just out. I know we just prayed, but I would just like to pray again, if that's okay, because I just need to, okay? So let's pray. Father God, um, will you just speak to us today? Father, I want to hear from you. I I, I know you will, Father, speak to people here if we're willing to listen, willing to act on what you say, so give us courage to, to act on our next step with you. God, I get convicted over the same scriptures again, all over again, by the, by the thoughts in these scriptures that I'll share today. So help me to convey this message with love. Help me to share it by the power of your Holy Spirit who can do what I can't. Would you just hide me behind all that and just use us this morning, change us. I pray all this in Jesus' Jesus name, amen. That song we were just singing, just when you listen and you you think about um, praise the one um, who gave his life, who raised this life up from the dead. That's talking about raising your life up from the dead, not just physically, but in a spiritual sense that's a much greater sense than what we may not understand if we don't get what it's really talking about. There's this thing called illumination that we get through the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand the word and understand spiritual things. And so if we don't have that, we we sing something like that and we miss it. We don't... Get what it really means, and something should rise up inside of us if we get that—that that the Holy Spirit inside of us should push us—and we just get a little excited, and and it it should even cause a Baptist to get a little bit Pentecostal. Okay, it should. Okay, but some of us maybe just too self-conscious or whatever may be going on to to just you know just just to just to saying and just praise him. And, but it's amazing, like if you read, like Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and so it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And, and, and this that stuff like this can go by us if we, if we don't have that understanding spiritually. And it says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's I who no longer who live. And I, I remember there was a guy Francis Chan talked about this I, back in the day, and uh, he's he's gone off the off the grid in ministry, which has been pretty interesting and neat what he's done. But uh, I used to listen to him all the time. But he he would talk about this, and he would talk about how how can how can I die and then live. Like how how does that happen, and and so first you have to acknowledge that reality I was talking about earlier, of physical and spiritual life. You know you've heard it said, said it here before. My mentor Rocky would say this. It's not that we're having not. It's not that we're uh, physical beings having a spiritual experience this morning. We're really spiritual beings having a physical experience. Okay, I mean that our our spirit is the main deal. And and so that's the part that needs to be alive. That sin kills and and yet yeah, harms us physically too. But first, you have to acknowledge that reality. And if you believe in spiritual life and what that means, and you put that verse together um, with your own life, you you have to think this morning. And and don't hear me elevating myself because I'm going to apply this to you. Okay, back to you. But. Do you really believe that, as, as like I come up here to speak this morning, that it isn't just it isn't just me who walks up here this morning? That actually Jesus in me has something He wants to say to you. That the God of the universe who created all this has something to say this morning. If I can get out of the way, right? Not not that I'm Jesus, but He lives in me, right? So, and and I'm, not, I'm not saying this to, like, really validate my message and make you think, well, whatever he says, i got to do. You know, it's, none of that stuff's going on. I just, that spiritual reality to say, do, do we approach reading, you know, when we read the Bible that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me and illuminate me to things in that word. It, it, when I'm hanging out with Christian friends, God might speak through them. Or, you know, when the music's going on, God might use those songs and the Holy Spirit in these people up here to speak things to us. As, as the word is shared, somebody teaches, do we, do we believe that? Do you, and what it comes down to is, do you believe that God can dwell inside of us? I mean, that's the, the spiritual reality we have to say. Do I really believe that that takes place? So, so it's kind of like I come up here, you go, well, when you look at me this morning, what, well, don't really answer that question. As I said, when you look at me, what do you see this morning? Okay, um, don't answer out loud but do you do you just see Marty or do you say to yourself as i as a believer i understand that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of that person this the holy Spirit of God and the, that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and so god himself through this body can speak to you right do you believe that okay and there, and, and i i don't need to go there okay I was going to get into preaching and studying and he can speak to you through the week and people use notes and all that stuff and the debates and God can speak to you all week just like he can on Sunday morning. And, you know, you get, I don't need to get in all that stuff. You get shallow theology when pastors don't study and they just show up and go, who's got something to say? Man, that's what that turns into, okay? It, it, but here's that's a whole nother thing, okay? I'm trying to, you would think when you listen to last week, Um, if you go back and listen last week and once I get done today, there's probably a bunch of you sitting here going to be like, is he trying to run everybody off? Like, I'm not. I promise I'm not, okay? And I'm not trying to scare anybody or make myself out to be better than anyone. This, Like I was saying, this concept of the Holy Spirit applies to you as a believer. God can use you and do things through you just the same as me. But just think about that. That scripture, you know, when you get back in the, the Old Testament and it was the temple and um, in those days it, it, you had the temple and you had the Holy of Holies and it was behind that was a back far room behind the, the veil that only the the priests could go into and they had to tie a rope to their leg in case they, I mean, could you imagine having that job? Like, I'm like, they'd have to tie a rope to their leg in case they fell dead in the Holy of Holies being in the presence of God so they could drag them out because nobody could go in there to get them. I mean, could you imagine? And, and, and that kind of power that, that God has of who he is. and But, but then Jesus here now says to us, says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that houses that kind of power. Not, not to kill people, okay? This, but you don't get off track, Right? But, but that Holy Spirit that had that kind of power is now in the believer. That Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside the believer. And, and, and that says this morning that the Spirit of the Creator of the universe, God Himself, literally can speak through us, like this morning. Through flesh and blood. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so we read those things and and we say things like that in church, but do you really believe it this morning, really? And that I have nothing to say, but God may have something to say. And I hope that's the cage, and the cage, I hope that's the case that whether it's through the music or through somebody sitting around you as you fellowship later or to the kids in the back through those volunteers that God would speak and, and he would just change our lives this morning. Uh, God's working through that Christian brother or sister in your life or through you to those you reach out to, visitors, guests, and you know, leaders in the church and teachers, whatever it may be, do you believe that God is working through you if you're a believer? So I just wanted to throw that perspective out there this morning, okay? So if you do have the Holy Spirit in you, it's because you're a follower of Jesus. Okay? You have believed, placed your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, that on the cross in your place for your sin. You're trusting in that, not anything else in life, and so then you become a follower. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is just this difference between just believing and following. Okay? And and, and this is from here's where not that I haven't already, you think you'll think I'm trying to run people off, but I'm trying to give you the truth because I love you and so I'm gonna be a little hard this morning, even on myself. Okay, this message comes around every now and then, where there's all in, that kind of thing, and, and and I walk away just as convicted as anybody else. Okay. And so some of you may think this morning, well you can't grow a church Marty preaching like that. Okay, well that's that's not the main issue. Okay. We need some clarity on what it means to follow Jesus, because it seems there's some confusion about that, especially in the Bible Belt. Okay, and I and, and so I I think hopefully if you are a follower of Jesus, you'd be like, well, let's let clarify that, because I think you're right. Hopefully you'll agree. And I'm gonna be very plain today, but we'll be looking at Matthew 13. Some of you know the parable of the sower, and, and so, it, but I want to kind of talk about a couple things first to kind of get our minds. Pointed in a certain direction but a disciple of Jesus is a person who has devoted themselves to this process of following this teacher of, of to learn from and become like the person they're a disciple of okay it's kind of a definition a disciple of Jesus can only take place though listen when you're talking about following Jesus and what he says in his word, what I see clearly, and we've, well, I've done several sermons on this, we've talked about this, a disciple of Jesus can only take place in the context of community, Christian community, okay? And there's a biblical foundation for being in a community with other believers. There, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. You will not grow by yourself if you're not connected to a small group with a, with a, with a group of people you're doing life with and, and serving with and, and going through hard times with, that you walk through life with. In that community, you should not only seek to be discipled, but you should eventually be discipling somebody else if you're following Jesus, Okay? Go and make disciples. Okay, Jesus commanded us to do that. This is where it gets scary, because most, and I'm, I, I don't want to even, you know, eighty percent of statistics are made up on the spot, right? So I don't want to even guess what the percentage is, right? But most, most, I, just because we're part of Tennessee Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist Convention, some of you are like, no, you're like, you have turned to run me off again. Okay, listen. Most Southern Baptists, most, have never shared the gospel with anybody, never discipled anybody to say the least, and have barely ever even invited anybody to church. Statistically, when you read Barna's statistics and those things. But yet, everybody in church, everybody in Granger County that you talk to that was born and raised here, or, you know, whatever. Everybody's everybody's a Christian, but most people have never done those things, and that's the parallel I'm talking about this morning. Okay, and I, and I hope it causes some deep introspection into your life to say, "Do I, do I just believe, or am I following?" Okay. It, it's a different thing. You can't. How, don't raise your hand. This is just a reflection question for you, okay? How many people have you discipled if you call yourself a Christian? How many people have you discipled or are you just dis- currently discipling? That's convicting, isn't it? That's t- Go and make disciples. Are you... Or if you're following, you're doing it. It's like Jesus saying, uh, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Ergo, if I'm not fishing for men, I'm not following Jesus. How many people have you shared your faith with in your life? I mean, not brought them to the preacher to share your, your faith with them, right? You. It just it seems to be this thing that people say that you can believe in Jesus, but not really follow Him. But when you read Scripture, it makes no sense, okay? there, It's commands. It's Jesus saying, follow me. Okay, do this, right? And and, and this parable of the sower, He explains this is why people don't do it. These first three people, this is what happens in their lives why they don't do it. In the church today, it seems like people can call themselves Christians, go to church sometimes, most of the time, even all the time, and not follow Jesus. To have salvation through Jesus and believe he died on the cross in your place for your sin so that you could be reconciled to God the Father and then have no intent on following Jesus but just believing is something that does not exist. Okay, well, you're trying to scare me and make me think I'm not saved. Okay, what's your point? Okay, if I can talk you out of it, maybe you don't have something you think you do. But I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches. It's very clear. I mean, there, we were talking about it last night with somebody. Uh, I think with Lisa, John, read John MacArthur, The Gospel According to Jesus. It's an old book, but it's it's it is fantastic. All it is is here is what Jesus said. The gospel is read that. It, it's it, when you don't follow Jesus, you are saying by your actions louder than your words that you don't believe He is who He says He is. Okay, to the and here is to the degree you don't follow. It's to the degree you don't really believe. Right? If he is really your Lord, let's put that out there, because everybody nobody likes to hear that. They like to hear Jesus loves you. He's your Savior. Okay? You don't read that Read what Jesus said, gospel according to Jesus. It's just what Jesus said. You read what he says, no Lord, no savior. Is he really your Lord, not just your Savior? Is that, that, that's a contradiction to say he's one but he's not the other. Big, big question you have to look deep and truly answer. Anything less than what the Bible says about following Jesus is just a Christianity you make up. You know, the early church was not called Christians. might know what they were called? Followers of the way, All right? Isn't that interesting the way it refers to them? Followers of the way. Well, what was the way? They lived the way Jesus told them to live, okay? They followed his example. They didn't just believe. They followed the way, okay? Christianity is not just, well, I used to party like a demon, and now I don't anymore. That's that's not full Christianity, okay? And and amen to that. Yeah, I I mean, it it does change you, but that's, that's just a by grace imputed thing to you that you get for free for being a follower of Jesus, okay? It's not the whole deal. That's just part of the believing part, okay? It's a good thing, but is just it's it's the, just the change internally that happens from having righteousness imputed or given to you. You get Jesus's righteousness applied to you, and all of a sudden you don't do the things you used to do anymore. That's not you doing that. That's Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in you doing that. Okay, we have nothing to brag about. Okay, it's given through the Holy Get uh, Holy Holy. Given through the Holy Spirit, my brain's going faster than my mouth can talk. It's given through the Holy Spirit, that that right, imputed righteousness, along with that illumination I was talking about. Those are just free gifts to you, through the Holy Spirit, okay? You get this understanding. It's it's like when somebody talks like they know a lot about the Bible, but their life doesn't reflect it and they don't follow it, okay? I, I have conversations with people, and I'm like, man, they know the Bible real well, but they're not doing anything of it, and they'll tell you. No, I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know why they're not doing any of it but know a lot about it? No Holy Spirit, no illumination, no understanding of those spiritual realities that's in there. They just see the face value of it. It's good teaching. You know, you get on Discovery Channel and you get these guys, great historians, and this is how it really went. And Jesus didn't really fully die. He just kind of seemed like he was dead. You know, these guys, that can't, they can't see, they can't see, past the spiritual reality. They can't, they can't see those things. They can't see past the data. No illumination, right? Someone knows a lot of scientists or historian who think they can explain away things in Scripture or think they're experts, but can't see the gospel at all. They lack illumination, is what they Because you get that righteousness and illumination. So you need the Holy Spirit for those two things. And he also empowers us to follow and obey. Okay? Here's the deal. Jesus has not commanded us to do anything he doesn't empower us to do. We act like there's so much stuff we can't do. So this lack of following is a serious issue for someone who says they're a believer. What they're saying is, I don't don't believe I can do what Jesus said I can do. You're saying you don't believe Jesus. Right? you've never said it that way, but you've said it in a lot of other ways. You with me? You, You don't just get saved and sit in church and hope one day you'll become a mature Christian. That just don't happen, okay? You can't. You can't just cruise your put it on cruise control. And one day, man, one day I might get there, might know much about the Bible, or might live my life this way, might see the fruits of God doing some stuff in me, and I'll just sit here and wait until it does. That doesn't work, okay? Romans 6.22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life there's other places that talk, that talk about that same thing where we're, we're set free from sin but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit comes in us sets us free from sin we're no longer slaves to sin we become a, a follower of Jesus we're a slave of God what does that imply he says do things we do it okay and this this fruit that's produced in our lives is is leads that it we start growing. Sanctification happening, right? And eventually we get to, notice there's, do you get the the process? It's not just I believed and I go to heaven, okay? Set free from sin, you're saved, right? You start to follow God, you see fruit in your life, you're sanctified. As you live, the Holy Spirit changes you. That's the evidence of the salvation that you got, okay? If you're truly saved, you'll change. The Holy Spirit will change you, okay? And you'll persevere to the end, and there's eternal eternal life starts the moment you give your life to Christ, but continues on forever. So if, if all those things aren't present in there, you may not have at the end what you think you're going to have. We are no longer slaves of sin because the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to see it and not not do those things as, as and we grow into this mature Christian. We're no longer save, slaves of sin. I heard a, a, a pastor quote another guy, this guy named Tommy Nelson. He quoted him, and he said in regard to sin and the Christian, and this is so good, okay, and it's so simple. I, I would think he's from East Tennessee saying this, okay? But he just said, in regards to sin for the Christian, the phone rings, but you don't have to answer it. Okay? You have in you the power to say no. Victory over sin is yours. You just need to walk in it. God has not told us to do things we cannot do. they are just... There are not some things we you know, stand up here and teach, preach about that you cannot do if the, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when we say no to the things of Jesus that he asks of us, we're, we're just refusing to surrender. And what happens is, is when we do that, you've heard me talk about it, you know, Jesus gives us some truth, we, we're illuminated to a certain truth, and We understand that truth, and I go, okay, I need to step into that truth. And if I don't, if I step into that, then I get more light, and he gives me more light, right? But if I see that light and I understand that, and I say no, I step back, I get in a little more darkness. And it gets a little darker, and it gets a little darker, and it gets easier to say no, and it gets easier to say no. That's what the Bible talks about, our hearts become hardened. And pretty soon, it doesn't bother us. We just say no to Jesus all the time, it doesn't bother us. It's live our lives how we want to. It doesn't bother us. Right? It's part of the the sower thing we'll talk about in a minute. Okay? We we begin to quench the spirit. That's what's happening. Okay? So Jesus gives us this parable to help us out with this. Matthew 13, 1 through 9, it says in there. And then we'll jump down to 18 where he explains it. Because when you first read this, you go, huh? Right? Even the disciples went to Jesus and I'm like what? And he's like, okay, let me explain it. Okay, so it's nice. There's very few places that Jesus actually goes back. There's a few of them where he goes back and says, okay, I know you didn't get that. Let me explain it to you. Um, Matthew 1 through nine. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea. A great cro- and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. Okay, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, for they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. but Since they had no depth of soil, no root, okay, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then, and so that he says this, and the, like I said, the disciples come to him and go, what were you talking about? Like, I know if we didn't get it, those people didn't get it, so would you fully explain it to me so that when... These people come to us and go, what was he talking about? You know, I don't have to go. Well, you just need to go and meditate and pray on it, and you'll get it, okay? I, I, help me out, Jesus, so I can actually explain it to them and seem real smart, right? And so so there's all this confusion, those next few verses, and you know, from 9 through 17. There's this discussion between them and Jesus about all that. And then, so he looks at the disciples and says this in 18. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. There's that thing about illumination and understanding being spiritually alive, right? This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one. So these different types of dirt, he's talking about different people, okay? As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy Um, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while and then tribulation or persecution arises and and on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and another 30. Okay, so there's different, just because you're not where I'm at and I'm not where you're at and there's different people at different places spiritually, it's just, it's it's we're all on our own spiritual journey with God and he grows us and sanctifies us, different spiritual gifts, all that stuff we've been talking about, right? Okay, so there are four types of people or soil here, okay? The first, the first is just not, open to spiritual things there's just no just it just goes right on top their head they don't they hear it but they don't get it right it just falls on the sidewalk and there's no it can't get past there's no dirt for it to grab hold of and get any kind of traction at all in that situation we just pray that god would open their minds and their hearts to his word and we pray for them and continue to love them where they are. You just got to pray, God, would you open their eyes, open their hearts, their minds to your words. So they can understand that. Would you just break through that concrete and help them to become soil that you can take root in? I mean, that's there's some people you talk to that that's just, that's just where it's at, right? And we can't do it. God's got to do that, okay? But it lets you know where somebody's at. It, you understand this. The second soil is where there are no deep roots, they hear it, and they're happy about it and joyful you know, for a short time. And then the sun comes out, and it just burns them up. They're scorched, it says, because there's no deep roots to get to that, that deep water and nutrients that they need to, to hold on and hold up against the, the sun. They hear the gospel and are excited and don't get grounded in the word. They don't get into really sound doctrine and don't pay attention to their lives and they get disappointed by troubles, and they fade away. Well, they don't fade. Actually, just trouble hits, and they're gone. It just cuts them off right there. And they have reasons for why they don't follow like they should because of the troubles in life that they have and the difficulties that are going on, and, man, my life's hard, or this is happening, or work, or whatever. Maybe the tribulations of life just cause them just to tragedy hits and they're like god isn't good anymore they walk away there is this thought in most of us that if we're following god that certain blessings are just owed to us okay there's a little bit of prosperity gospel in all of us okay don't look at me like i'm weird like I, okay it's in there we have to be careful of it it's it's almost a prosperity gospel thinking you know, I went to church Sunday. I, I put five, 10, 20 bucks in the plate. I, you know, I, br- I brought, you know, I made coffee. I, I did, you know, whatever it is that we do. And then we think somehow now God owes me a little something. Something good should happen to me this week because I did all those things for God. Right? Like, like you're like, man, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to give this this week. And then next week, you lose your job. I hope that didn't happen to you. Okay, it's, you get, that happens, right? I remember I was preaching one Sunday. Liz Grisham, I was talking about how, you know, there's something. It's a cursed world. Sometimes things happen. You, you know, you go out and you got a flat tire, and, and you're like, why is this happening to me? What's well, a cursed world kind of thing? She left, walked out after church, and went out the parking lot. And her tire was flat, and I was, what me? Okay, I don't have anything to do with that. Okay. You know, but we think, I, God, I served you. I did these things. Things like that shouldn't happen to me. There's a little bit of prosperity gospel in all of us, isn't there? Did, am I by myself up here? Okay. And what happens is in our mind, we, we, we just get to that place. We think, God, God should be blessing me. I deserve it. I've been going the extra mile. God owes me. And we'd never say that, but it plays out inside of us, right? But you name anybody in the Bible—Jesus, even Jesus. Any it, you look at these guys who followed him. But name anyone in there who didn't suffer and go through great tribulations on account of their faith in God and following Him. Moses, Jeremiah, John the Baptist—he got beheaded, right? Paul, look at you. Paul has a list like. Right? You can just shipwreck, bitten by a snake. You know, like, go through all this stuff Paul went through, right? Preach to him a prosperity gospel. Peter, all of them. So we shouldn't be surprised when we go through hard times that our lives just aren't, you know, all skipping in sunshine, right? I follow Jesus, it's all good, Right? So we shouldn't be surprised when we go through hard times. Listen, but it will shake you, okay? It might knock you down, but it won't knock you out if you're a believer and you follow, okay? it's why we need each other and church family and sound doctrine and, and, and really following Jesus. If not, if we're not firmly rooted, those things hit and we're done. It just knocks us out. We just have to be careful of those things. But we think if we're not succeeding, and it, and it comes because of our cultural influences, right? How, I mean, America is all about achievement and rewards, and I'm gaining, and I'm. You're not doing something right if you're not gaining in all areas of your life. You're a failure, and that's what our culture says to us, right? If you don't have a certain kind of job, not making a certain kind of income, not getting a, awards at school or work, or then you must not be somebody. We're, you, as though kids who've never been to Disney World or or Dollywood, like they're deprived and they're never going to be anybody because they didn't get, those, get to go do those things. We think our cultural influences think that that we have to have all this stuff and achievements and do certain things or, or, or we're just not, that's that prosperity gospel thinking. That, then we just, we aren't doing something right. God must not love me. God's not blessing me. I'm not being doing the right thing as a parent, right? And we think if we're not succeeding because of cultural influence, if I'm not, if all those things aren't happening, then fine, God, I'll just sit down and not continue to follow Those are my excuses. You should be blessing me in those ways and I'd be following. As though if all of a sudden you were dropped a million dollars, you'd start following Jesus more passionately than you do now, right? No, you won't. It'd just make it worse. And we start to think that God isn't really that good. We'd never say that. There's something inside of it. So we, we have to remember we are to follow and lean in him and trust him regardless of those things that come at us, have deep roots, right? Then there's this third one, okay? Well, you've, you know, you've got you've got the one, you just don't hear it. you got the one it's just knocked out by tribulations. And then the third one is the one planted but is among weeds and thorns and grows for a bit. Then it's slowly choked out. Second one got knocked out quickly by tribulations, but this this third one, the one with no roots, dies. The one with root, no roots dies out quickly, but the one among thorns is just slowly worn down, choked out. Is the words it, is the language it uses. And and we hear especially, okay, this is a this is probably a bigger one for us than than all of them. We get choked out by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And I talked a little bit about that just, just prior, okay? It's a slow process where we are enticed by the world and we just don't even realize it's happening. So Trust me, if you're not moving toward God, there's a drift that's happening away from you. Difficulties can take you out in an instant. The, defeat, the, the deceitfulness of riches creeps in. Changes your thinking little by little. And you don't even realize it and you start to fade. What, what, you think about choking. It's just it's, it's getting the air cut off, right? And we start, con- and what happens is, you know, you're getting choked. And it's just slowly, slowly fading and you become spiritually Unconscious. So what do we do when that starts to happen? We, we, that fades going on. We start con, trying to control our lives more, manage more, manipulate more, move things around to find security somewhere is what we're doing. We're we're, we're trying to get the outcome that we want. The, 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 if I just had this amount of money, then I'd feel more secure. No, well, if I just had this amount. Well, if I just had this amount of money. If, if I just had this much, uh, if, if I had this job at, at work, if I could just, if I could, well, if I could just get that job at work, right? And we start to use our time and our energy and our efforts all to get those things because it's going to make us feel more secure, like I'm controlling my life and I've got things in order and so I know everything's going to be good in my life. We start to create our own list of things that will bring us security and well-being outside of our following Jesus. And it happens slowly as we start to do those things. All that time, effort, and energy trying to control and manipulate does not lead to more peace and security. Right? It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's it's that it's that lure of the world to say, if you'll just and it's fear driven, right? Fear driven. All of our culture we don't realize we think it's all. Well, look at that. Doesn't that seem like that would make you happy? You watch a commercial on TV, right? Well, what it's doing is playing on your fears. If you don't have that, you won't be happy. It's, it's constant, and it wears on you and wears, and it's a slow choking you out, right? It, it in, it, and we step that way into those things, into that deceitfulness of the world, a little bit more and a little bit more, and all of a sudden, right, we're, we're, we're beginning to fade, and what it does is we it's just like hardening the heart when we step into that it increases the appetite for that a little more it increases the appetite for that a little more when when we do gain a little in those deceitfulness areas of riches our security goes up our reliance on ourselves goes up right we feel like if we had more, achieved more, gave our kids more, they achieved more. Then we don't need the Lord to provide security because we're giving it to them, because we're giving it to our families, because we're doing it for ourselves. Okay. Now listen, I'm not saying, because this is where this always goes, okay? I'm not saying wealth and achievements and all the things, all those are bad things. It's not. Okay? A Christian should do the best they can at work, and do the best they can in sports, and do the best they can. But all all those things, I'm not saying you should you should feel ashamed or guilty if you have money or have achievements. Uh, a lot of it. In fact, I would never want anybody to feel that way just because they have that. Right. I, I think you've been blessed by the Lord. That God has blessed you, and you just need to make sure your money doesn't own you, but you own your money. Okay. See what Jesus teaches is no man can have two masters, right? He will serve one and neglect the other. You won't be able to serve God and money. That's what the Bible teaches. No one can put their trust fully in God who has their tr- trust fully in money. Okay? You'll neglect one. Your your tomorrow and your security tomorrow is either in God or in your ability you, you know to save and invest enough to get through tomorrow, right? But it's, it's not a wrong or bad thing to have those things and it, if you're not relying on those things but and putting your security in it. You understand? God gives you those things to leverage for His purposes and leverage those things for the kingdom, okay? But... So don't hear me say you shouldn't save, you shouldn't invest. Okay, you should, okay? But you're not secure because of your savings and investment. You're secure because you belong to Jesus and you're following him. So if you lost all that tomorrow, you're still okay. Okay? It may knock you down, but it will knock you out, right? So wealth and achievement start to override Things in our life, what happens is that deceitfulness of riches. What happens is all of a sudden it starts to override spiritual things in our life and our work for the kingdom. And the next thing you know, just don't go to church as much as we used to, start skipping out a little bit. Sports and things with our kids take over. I got to give them all these experiences. You've heard me talk about how we're so with our kids, we be, we, we've we become a culture that's so experience-rich at the expense of being relationship-poor. we got to give them all these experiences, but ultimately, even maybe at the expense of a relationship with Jesus. And I was talking with a, a guy that, the, uh, this, just this week, and we were talking about youth ministry and kids leaving church like crazy, and... I just said, you know, just a lot of what I see, this is just one of the factors, is parents, we just give our kids so much and they achieve so much and we got, they, got, they got to do all this stuff and, and we're giving all these experiences, but they're not seeing this great, compelling joy and excitement, this, this want to be at, at church, want to be in community, want to be serving, want to be reaching. They don't see in the parents this compelling love for Christ that makes them want that same thing, right? Sometimes they see a begrudging service to God. They, they don't see, they see parents who get more excited about the achievements and the building of wealth, and they did good at school, and man, they're doing great in basketball. I'm in there, okay? That's I've got a son, 13-year-old son. I want him to do good at basketball, and there's nothing wrong with that but not at the expense of a relationship with Jesus and him seeing in me that I'm more excited about Jesus than I am in the NBA. You you understand? But how much time, effort, energy are we giving to them to get them to see and be great at at basketball versus how great it is to follow Jesus? Okay? That's where that's at, okay? Okay? everybody off okay but it's just our kid it's just like our kids have to be successful in sports and careers and trust funds and college and so they can be better people and have more security from those things but you give them better security if you give them Jesus even if it means they don't get all those other things and, and I get it I'm, I I want you to hear I get it I do. I hope you do. I get that we're in a world driven by fear. You know, I've said that we fear everything. It's why my dad has made so much money in life, and Brady does so so well. I mean, I'm not bragging about people. They're in the insurance business, okay? People are afraid of everything. You're going. I mean, it's it's all of our ads and stuff you see in the world. It's really fear driven. If you don't have this, you won't be what you need to be. It's just fear driven. And Brady knows. He's shaking his head. That's how they train them. You need to tell them, if tragedy comes, what are you going to do? You'll be in trouble. Fear, 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 right? And I understand, I I probably have as much insurance, different kinds of insurance, anybody in here, thanks to my dad, right? It's good stuff, but even if I didn't have that, like like my security can't be in that. One day I'm going to die anyway, no matter how much, Medical insurance, cancer insurance, auto insurance. all that, It doesn't matter how much insurance I have. One day I'm going to die. Okay? This And this isn't the, you might die when you walk out of here. You better get saved right now. This isn't that speech, okay? This is the, are you all in what matters in life? Are you following Jesus? Okay? Because more than likely all of us are going to be alive tomorrow. I hope so. So what are you going to do for Jesus tomorrow? My security, my joy, and my peace is not in all that insurance and not in my son being in the NBA one day. He is, he is, be it, be it. Okay? I want him to love and to know and to follow Jesus. Does he see that in me? And I think I fall short a lot most of the time. So I want you to know this, this is at me. Okay? God is still in control and is calling us to follow him. No one can just grow in godliness and obedience. To, to Jesus accidentally, just coasting along. It doesn't happen. You're either pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly or you're being swept by, downstream by deceit and empty promises and you don't even realize or see it. Or maybe you do and you just openly justify what you're doing. Okay? It, it takes, listen to this carefully, okay, because this is going to sound weird, okay? But, but this is how it works. It takes grace Driven effort. Okay. And I'll leave that with you to figure out. Okay. It doesn't mean you don't try and go, okay, it's grace, and so I'll just sit here on the rear end until grace makes me stand up. Okay? No. It's grace driven effort. You need to actively on purpose utilize spiritual disciplines. To know your Bible, have sound doctrine, grow closer and deeper in community, memorize scripture, pray consistently, walk with other believers, be discipled and disciple others. Okay? All those things. Be generous and give. Do you do you realize what would happen around here if everybody really tithed? Okay, and this is not the the oh, pastor talking about money, I'm out of here. Okay. I'm trying to run people off, evidently, this morning, so whatever. Okay? Do you realize what would happen? I'm talking about the church in America, in the United States. Okay? You know what would happen in the church in the United States? It'd probably drag some people the wrong way, the churches, okay? But it would be incredible what would happen, okay? Not that money is the key to a successful church, Okay? but it takes money to do ministry in our world, right? I've never met a pastor that's that ever said, yeah, all my members tithe, it's great. We have more than we need. Why? Why have I never heard that? And that's not an excuse for us as though it's not possible, right? And that, I'm getting sidetracked, okay, because it's not about your money, it's about your heart. Okay, that's what we're talking about, okay? The deal here is, is that if you're not actively all in, then you're drifting away, okay? Listen, I, people who know me well, I used to apologize and be real sensitive about the whole money thing. And all this, I, I understand, I'm never going to be rich being a pastor in Granger County here. It's not going to happen. It's not why I do it, okay? I could care less, Okay? understand it's about the gospel and people knowing him and I just I want us to be all in to do that you can't say you believe and then not follow Jesus that's what I want you to walk away with this morning and and walk out that door and it just be in your mind all week okay It's like evangelism. It doesn't matter if you have the gift of evangelism or not. We are all, all supposed to invite people, share the gospel with them. Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? So do not share the gospels, do not follow Jesus. To not follow and just believe and still get into heaven is not a category that exists in the Bible. Okay? Leave here understanding that. Hope you get that. And if you do and you're feeling bad about it, Listen. Here's what's so wonderful, because you're like, oh, man, you're killing me. Listen, okay, listen. If you're feeling bad, to admit that and move toward God, do you know what he receives you with? Love, mercy, forgiveness, grace. That's what you're going to get if you you turn to him and admit that and begin to walk with him and follow him. That's what you're going to be met with. So for me to stand up here, and if you're not following, if you just believe, nothing—you are not even get into heaven. And you're thinking, well, "That's mean. That's rough." Grace, love, mercy—all that's what you get in response to admitting that. So I hope you—I hope you understand that. So as, as I begin to pray here in just a moment, they're—they're they're gonna come up here. I, the song Nikki's gonna sing. You guys can come on back up here. It's okay. She's going to sing something, and it's more of a God through her singing over you. So, if you just want to sit and just listen to this and, and reflect on what we've talked about and kind of soak this up a little bit, it's totally okay. If there's a part where you want to sing along or just whatever and stand, you can. Um, but I want to pray, and then I want you to hear, you know, and, and listen to this and um, just kind of figure out where you're at. Am I just believing? They're not really following? Is there things that I know Jesus says we're supposed to do, but I don't, I don't really do that? To understand, we sing, especially the, at these times after the message, as a response of rejoicing, be, being filled with joy, knowing our God receives us in our brokenness, receives us in our sin, receives us when we don't get it right with grace and with love, not with hatred and condemnation and more heaping on more condemnation. That's not what God, that's not how He takes you when you repent and turn, right? But rejoicing and seeing the truth, we just sing out of just getting this illumination from God and empowerment by the Spirit to change and be the followers He's called us to be. To be that last soil that it talks about in there. Soil that bears fruit because we're following. And so let's pray. Father, right now I just want to pray that you will help us. Help us to see it. Would you give illumination? Would you open hearts and minds to your word and what it means? Would you just help us to look deep inside of ourselves, Father? Reveal those places where we're not all in, where we're not following. Where we are, and may we be moved toward you. May this not be something that drives people from you, Father, but they see the truth, they get that illumination, and your Holy Spirit just pushes them toward you where they will receive love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. Help us, Father, as a community of believers to spur one another on in, in love and good deeds and that people would see those good deeds and glorify you, Father. Would you just help us to be that kind of community? to walk with each other, to disciple each other, to be discipled and to disciple others, Father. Help us to share the gospel, to be evangelistic. Help us to serve. Help us to be generous, over-the-top generous. Father, help us be filled with the Spirit for godly living, to follow, to change. And so I pray all this in Jesus' name.